I wrote this later on in my notes, but I want to talk about it now. Why did we never ask mom and dad to do Universal with us? Like we would have eaten that shit up as kids. Oh, I know, I know. I don't think we were really aware, honestly. Yeah, we. You don't think we were aware of our, you know, obsessed nature with film and television at that point? No, I have been to Universal, and I wish you. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> You certainly have. Forgot about that. I wish you'd been with me because you would have loved the shit out of that old Hollywood ride. Yeah, I wish I'd been with you too. And now they've torn it out, so I'm big sad. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where the truth is never overrated. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the 2002 adventure comedy film, Big Fat Liar. BFL Biffles, as it's come to be known. (laughs) Guys, today is going to be wild. Oh my God, Carrie, I forgot Dan Schneider wrote it. Yeah, I know. Oh my God, guys. (laughs) We love this movie. Some creepy people behind it, but I love this movie. Yup. Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join our little summer watch party. Guys, I'm really busting my ass on the Patreon content. Guys, so it's... she's stressed. I'm... Go on over and become a little onion contributor at the $5 level. You'll be so glad you did. For just $5 a month, you're getting access to all of our long-form content, all of our television coverage. You're getting bonus episodes, outtakes. You're getting maybe some stuff outside the timeline. I don't know. We're thinking. We're thinking. (laughs) I want to do Mary Poppins so bad I could (sighs) spit. Mary Choppins. Yeah, Mary (laughs) Choppins. Mary Poppins is a horror (laughs) film. I love it. Oh, God. All right. You ready to blue yourself? Okay. um, That was so weak. (laughs) I know you just came up with that. I know there's audio of you thinking of it, but like, and that was your first shot, but you missed. You want me to try again? It's okay if you don't want to, but <laughs> if you'd like to try again. Okay. Uh, you ready to clown around? Okay. All right. All right. Okay. You know what? Why don't you come up with 10 more tags and get back to me by lunch? Okay. Hey, Jason, you awake? <laughs> Yeah, Dad, been up for hours. Jace, did you eat your oatmeal? Yeah, thanks, Mom. It was delicious. Jason Shepard likes to stretch the truth. Producer Marty Wolf has never told the truth. I think we just hit a kid. Um, I'm on the phone. Fate brought them together. Thanks for the ride, gentlemen. But a lie will keep them together. Big Fat Liar is already being touted as next summer's must-see movie event. That guy stole my paper. How'd you come up with this idea? Some ideas just come to you. Yeah, from my backpack, you loser! Pack your bags, we're going on the trip. Now, two friends are on a mission. Hey, remember me? I wrote Big Fat Liar. This is Hollywood. We play by our own rules. To make one man's life a living nightmare. It's payback time. They're airborne. Got it. What's happening? We're gonna jump! Can I take a message? Mr. Wolf is about to go into a meeting. Color dye? You really think it's gonna work? Go! What? 
Charisma from Marcus Duncan's office. Give me his address. 867 North Maple Drive. Die, clown, die! Frankie Muniz, Amanda Bynes, and Paul Giamatti. Hey, Marty, I like your new coloring. It works for you. You did this. Hiya. Call me. Big Fat Liar. We're moving into phase four. Back off, man! They told me to pick up a little blue car. They didn't say anything about a little blue man. Guys, we're talking about Big Fat Liar today, which is just a film from childhood we have so adored for all time. Yeah, there's not going to be like a big outro today where we explain how meaningful the film is. Because if, if you like this movie, you know why you like this movie. <laughs> and we don't really need to explain it because you identify with us. Yeah, like honestly, it's just, it's... It, Obviously, it's a meta bit about Hollywood. Of course. So there's all this humor interlaced in there that we, as you know, movie buffs, so appreciate. This is quite literally Aesop does Hollywood. A little bit, yeah. Because this is all an allusion to the Aesop fable of the boy who cried wolf. Guys, I called him the other day. She sure did. I called him the other day as I was watching the movie, and I was like, I can't believe I'm almost 30 years old mm -hmm. and never made the connection that it's Jason Shepard and Marty Wolf. Like, literally the boy who, who cried, cried wolf. wolf. I, I, when she told me that, I went, Jesus Christ. I know. How, how did we know? You know what? We're smart people, okay? Yeah, Let's we are. Let's tell ourselves that. We're smart people. We're smart people. <laughs> Guys, Sean Levy is the director of this film, and I've never put together those pieces because Sean Levy is one of the producers of Stranger Things. You're kidding me. No. I am not. That is hella revelant right now. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, those of you who have finished Stranger Things, are you doing okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to start a support group. A couple of the things that Sean Levy has done that I've also never put together. Uh, Night at the Museum. Oh, that's great. He directed Night at the Museum. I love Night at the Museum. <laughs> Fuck all the other Night at the Museum movies, but the first one is King and will always remain King. He did Cheaper by the Dozen. I love that movie. Mm. I mean, I don't know about love, but like... I mean, I love looking at Tom Welling. Hey, <laughs> hey, stop. <laughs> oh, no, Sean, you lost me. I'm sorry. He's an executive producer for Last Man Standing. Oh, hate that. How can you, how can you produce that, Sean? <laughs> And then do all this other quality content. Well, why don't you get him on the horn with Tom Hooper and y'all can discuss it, okay? This is not a Playtone production. <laughs> and then, of course, we have Dan Schneider writing our screenplay today. Dan Schneider, you know this asshole from creating most Nickelodeon sitcoms. Like, like his the live-action Nickelodeon sitcom was Dan Schneider's thing. I mean, all that. The Amanda Show, Drake and Josh, Zoe 101, iCarly, Victorious, Sam and Cat, Henry Danger, like... He's been dining out on this channel for years. Um, I think that he's some kind of big creep. He's reading, he's reading. Is he a creep? I, I think he might be. He parted in a weird way with Nickelodeon. That, like, it was like a forced thing or something. You know what? I don't want to waste energy talking about it, Dan Schneider. If you're a creep, fuck you. If you Thank you for creating all of this wonderful content <laughs> that we've enjoyed throughout our lives. Folks, you might have guessed it, but we... Oh, do we ever have names? Guys... <laughs> Are you, are you going to be okay? Oh, my God. 
Playing Jason Shepard, our hero today, we have Frankie Muniz. <laughs> that weird little guy. <laughs> I love Frankie Muniz. He is, of course, the star of Malcolm in the Middle. He's the Malcolm, right? Yeah, he's, and he's the, in Mal- the Middle. He's the Malcolm in the Middle. Okay, yes. gotcha. He's also in Agent Cody Banks. Oh, the thing you had for Cody Banks. I know, right? Yeah. He also has apparently a very prolific racing career. Yeah, what the fuck? Like open wheel racing. I don't know what that means I, exactly. I really don't either so i'm gonna click on the link oh these cars oh stock cars yeah stock cars oh okay or, well formula ca- I don't formula i don't know we don't know from the racing playing our villain today marty wolf <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry that i yelled <laughs> sorry that i screamed guys please welcome to kicking and streaming main feed yeah the main feed <laughs> please welcome back to kicking and streaming paul giamatti yes if you're a patron at the five yeah if you're a little onion at the five you'll know that he is currently star currently starring no <laughs> he plays john adams in hbo's john adams which we are currently doing long form on the patreon why don't you go on over click that link yeah guys we're gonna try not to make this a big ad for <laughs> the patreon but i just i don't think it could be understated enough that the man who is in John Adams and this man in this film today are like two completely different species. Yeah, I know. It's two different people. <laughs> it's got to be two different people, right? And you know, Paul Giamatti, we've talked about him on the show before. He was with us when we did My Best Friend's Wedding. He's also in The Illusionist. Not the one with Bowie in it. No. The, the one with Norton in it. He's in The Truman Show. He's in that... You know, I would like to watch that adaptation. I think it's from like 2012 or 2013. He was in a film adaptation of Romeo and Juliet Ooh, where he was Friar Lawrence. That's neat. Paul Giamatti gives big juror number two energy. Oh, like from 12 Angry Men? Yeah, like <laughs> he just does. Like he's also the he's also the chauffeur to Emma Thompson in uh, Saving Mr. Banks. Yes. I, uh, I love him so much. Of course, you know, I love him for specific reasons. <laughs> you mean Lady in the Water? Yeah, uh, stop! <laughs> you know what? Yeah? I hate that. You hate You're what? You're gonna bring up Lady in the Water every time Paul Giamatti's on the show. I sure fucking oh am. Oh my god. You know what? Do- oh, we should do Lady in the Water apart. Yeah, we should. Oh my god, bonus. Oh my god, just a little bonus app. No, I'm kidding. You couldn't possibly take on anything else. <laughs> Moving on. No, he is playing Marty Wolf, uh, this absolutely psycho film producer in Hollywood. <laughs> Who is he based on? I've gotta know. Yeah, no, he's gotta be an amalgamation. He's gotta be an amalgamation of a couple assholes, right? Yeah, because from Hollywood. He's just so. Is he, that's the thing. I don't even believe he's pure evil. He's just a fucking twit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Please welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, Amanda Bynes. You'll remember her from when we covered Hairspray. She's the man. She is also a veteran of all that. That's right. Yeah, and of course there's the Amanda Show. Amanda, 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 Amanda. Amanda, 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 Amanda Show. Let's go. Moody's Point. Oh my God. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs> Guys, she's a childhood staple. This Amanda Bynes was Nickelodeon, and I just, oh, Amanda. Amanda, please. Amanda, please. I I feel so bad, dude. Why? She's she's screwed up. Yeah. I I, I don't know what happened, but I, I I. I mean, she was a child star in Hollywood. It's also none of my business. It's not. It's not. I don't need to scrutinize her, but I love her. I love her as a performer and an entertainer. I. Ugh. This is her film debut. Is it really? They wanted Lindsay Lohan, but Lindsay Lohan said, I'm going to take a break. Her first movie. Yeah. Wow. She is playing Jason's best friend, Kaylee, today. <laughs> Kaylee is also just a chef's kiss of a character. Yeah, she, whole mood. Whole mood. She's carrying. Yeah. Like. <laughs> 
Playing Monty today, Marty Wolf's long-suffering assistant, we have Amanda Detmer. Listen, I know her face, but literally just from this. Yeah, no, I know. I've seen her in Drop Dead Gorgeous. She's also in Final Destination, Kiss the Bride. Like, she's just one of those very uh, stock-looking early 2000s actresses, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, with the blonde bob. Yeah, with the blonde bob. The blonde bob bitches from the early aughts. Playing Frank the limo driver today, we have Donald Faison. Guys, you know him from Scrubs. He's Turk on Scrubs. I guess it is pronounced Faison. I mean, if it's Faison, I'm sorry, Don. Yeah. But <laughs> I was I was never a Scrubs person. I don't think it's that funny, but he is very enjoyable on that show. He's in Remember the Titans. Yep, and Clueless, Waiting to Exhale. Oh, you like Uptown Girls. I love that stupid movie. With Dakota Fanning and Brittany Murphy. Guys, please welcome back to Kicking and Streaming. She was just here at the beginning of the month. Miss Sandra O oh, playing again another educator in an early aughts movie. She's Jason's teacher. Phyllis Caldwell. Yeah. Because that's so important. You are lying through your teeth, you, you little, little demon. demon. I lo- <laughs> Guys, obviously you know Sandra O oh as Dr. Christina Yang from ABC's Grey's Anatomy. Playing Marcus Duncan, the president of the studio today, we have Russell Hornsby. Yeah, I, I've i seen his face before, like on TV, but mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know his filmography, his capital F filmography. He was in the uh, f- uh, film adaptation of Fences with Denzel. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, he's also in In Treatment, Lincoln Heights. He was in, he was in that, I think it's a movie, the movie Grimm. Maybe uh-huh. maybe it's a TV show. I can't remember. Oh my god, that's where I know him from. Where? Shameless. Oh yeah 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 yeah. I think he plays one of the dealers that Frank leaves Liam with. Oh no. Yeah yeah. Playing Vince, the stunt coordinator today, we have Lee Majors. Lee Majors, you know, of the Western television series. Steve Austin from Six Million Dollar Man, oh the Fall God. Guy. Yeah, that's right. I almost wrote Stone Cold Steve Austin, and I went, wait, isn't that a wrestler? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Big Valley. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, he was married to Farrah Fawcett. I love that. Yeah, he sure was. Playing Jocelyn Davis, the publicist. Welcome her back. Amy Hill's here again. Guys, from last week, she was Mrs. Rangoon and Max Keeble. Like, (laughs) she's also known for her Oscar-nominated performance as Miss Kwan in uh, The Cat in the Hat. That's right. Yeah, no. I'm going to keep that rumor going until it sticks. (laughs) Did she want an Oscar? <laughs> yeah. Playing Dusty Wong, the director of the Big Fat Liar movie, is John Cho. John Cho, uh, I believe, was in the Harold and Kumar films. He's very cute. He is very cute. Can you believe he's 50 years old? I know, right? I know. That's incredible because most of us have rediscovered him by watching the Cowboy Bebop live action remake thing. Mm -hmm. And I know nobody liked that, but I do like looking... Oh, 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 I was trying to say I like looking at John Cho, but uh, Freud had other plans. Yeah, I love him because they wanted him to do like a thick accent Mm -hmm. for this. And he said, hell no. Yeah. Like kids should not be taught that it's okay to laugh at people's accents. Absolutely not. Good on you, John. Playing Brett the bully today, we have Taryn Killiam, who is also famous from the Amanda show. He's also from Mad TV, Saturday Night Live. He's just done all the staples of sketch comedy. Yeah, he's really, really good at it. 
Guys, we have a slew of cameos today, including Keenan Thompson. I know, as himself. Yeah, like post Keenan and Kel, pre SNL. I wonder how tight Keenan Thompson and Dan Schneider must be. Mm. Yeah, early Nickelodeon stars. Not to mention Dustin Diamond from like Saved by the Bell. Yeah. And guys, <laughs> in an uncredited appearance. I I can't believe it. We also have famous child actor Jaleel White. In a fictionalized version of himself. <laughs> this is Steve Urkel from Family Matters. Did I do that? Did I do that? Like, <laughs> you know. What was that conversation was, like? He was such an annoying little twit. And then the whole, like, miraculous breakthrough thing with the machine and the technology where he could change his personality. Yeah. Into just, into Stefan or Kel. Yeah, I know, I know. Stefan was fine. He was. And like, <laughs> Laura Winslow having the moral decision of who to keep him as. Oh, like change him back or not? Yeah. That was a wild episode. I, that arc is the most insane thing I've ever seen in the American sitcom. <laughs> Also, I also want to mention Alex Breckenridge. Um, I thought she plays Janie. She has one appearance. Janie is Jason's sister. Okay. His older sister. Alex Breckenridge, I do know her. I have seen her before. I, she is in a lot of things, actually. But the thing I recognize her from is American Horror Story. <gasps> she is the young, sexy, whatever you want to call it, version of Moira. <gasps> Oh my god! In Murder House on American Horror Story. Oh, and that poor witch that gets murdered yeah, she's in the, season three. Yeah, she's the yeah. Mm. She's the witch that gets shot first in oh, Coven. I yeah. hate it. I know. <laughs> uh, like I said, that good old Universal logo comes up and I'm like, oh, I love the way that there are not more letters on one side of the planet than the other. <laughs> you like the symmetry? It's just the UN and the AL are perfect. I love symmetry, guys. <laughs> Anyway, we are in Greenbury, Michigan. Yeah. And I, I love Michigan. Mm-hmm. We, of course, had the home of Jason Shepard. I love that we didn't even talk about the actors that play his parents. Oh, no, yeah. But, but, like, I only know the dad from the West Wing. He'll play an advisor every now and again, you know? And the mom is Stanley Tucci's sister. Yeah, Christine Tucci, that's her name. Yeah. yeah that's right. Um, okay. My first note is Jason is a liar. Yeah, no, I've, I'm going to say this right off the bat. I hate it when anyone calls him Jace. Yeah? I really hate that. <laughs> Why? Jason, you wait. Yeah, Dad, it's been a four hour. Just getting dressed. You finished that paper for English class? Yeah, Dad, I did it last night. Jace, did you eat your oatmeal? Yeah, thanks, Mom. It was delicious. Here, go, Chuck. There's something wrong with me. Here we go. Lie number one. <laughs> yeah, been up for hours just getting dressed. Like he was literally asleep on the PlayStation controller. <laughs> we are going through his chaotic morning with lie number two. Yeah, I finished my paper. Yeah, no, he did not finish his paper for school. He also did not eat his oatmeal. <laughs> lie number three. I Yeah, I finished my breakfast. And he gives it to the dog. Like, that's the thing. He just lies about dumb things. In 2002, if you were a young man, you were a skater boy. She said, see you later, boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, Jason rides a skateboard. Jason is skateboarding to school, and he is tricked by Taryn Killam. Brett, what's his balls? Yeah, Brett the bully Brett, is what I have. Brett the bully, and that whole exchange is so awkward. <laughs> it's not a great opener, in my opinion. 
I think it's the tear and kill him of it all. I said, of course Jason's bullied. Look at him. Frankie Muniz is just funny. He's adorable. He's funny and fun and weird. I don't know. I love him. Which, by the way, guys, if you guys have heard the rumor on the internet that he, like, can't remember large swaths of his childhood... That's fundamentally not true. Oh, did he say that that was not a thing? No, yeah, like, he said one thing in one interview one time after talking about how he might have been having mini strokes, which he wasn't. It had something to do with migraines, like migraine auras or something, but I need you all to know that Frankie Muniz is fine and remembers more of his childhood than we've all been led to believe. The tabloids have the civilization by the balls. I know, I know. Oh my goodness. He gets his skateboard jacked by these guys and then has to run the rest of the way to school. And I love that he's running up to the school and (laughs) Phyllis, or Caldwell or whatever her name is, literally is fast marching up to the door to shut it and lock it before he can get inside. I'm like, okay, you're already a bitch. Like, you could have let him inside. Guys, Sandra O is the teacher! Oh my god, and she is trying to conduct her, what is this class? Is this English class? It must be. And so, his friend Kaylee, Amanda Bynes, is sitting inside, and he is literally jumping to the level of the window. (laughs) To see if he can see her. And he's trying to get a hold of her, and he's she he gets her attention. I was like, not Jason climbing through the window. Oh my god, he falls into the classroom through that open window, and Sandra, oh! Jason Shepard, did you just come in from that window? No, you looked a little flushed. I was just creating a cross-draft. Well, now that we're all comfortable, why don't you read us your story? You know what? Let's give someone else a chance. No, I think we'd all like to hear yours. <laughs> Lie number four. I spent all night in the ER, and that's why I didn't finish my paper. Yeah, I mean, guys, we've all claimed a dead grandmother, a mom with kidney stones. We've all done that to get out of homework before. Caldwell asks Jason to be the first one up to read his creative project to the class, his essay. Jason just has to begin spinning this whole story about his dad choking on a meatball and they were in the, the emergency room all night and I love it. I absolutely love it. Caldwell looks him dead in the eye and goes, You are lying through your teeth, you little demon. <laughs> I wish I were, Phyllis. Call my dad if you want. His number is 555-0147. I think I will. You're totally gonna get busted. Say Harry Shepard's office. No way, don't drag me into this. Come on, help me out. What am I supposed to do? How about write the paper? Do it. No. Do it. No. Harry Shepard's office, one moment, please. And Jason's like, try me. (laughs) (laughs) Call my dad right now. And she does. She calls his bluff and like she gives he gives her the number. And that it's his cell phone number. The way Jason is constantly using Kaylee all the time to abate his life of lies and crime. Yeah. And like, like, why does she? I like, why does she even like him if he's like this kind of unhinged? Because he's Frankie Muniz. I mean, okay, fine, whatever. He's not without his charm. He just has trouble with the truth. This is where I would like to talk about this. Oh, okay. I've been this kind of crazy. Yes, you were a pretty chronic liar when I you were that age. I was a horrible liar as a child. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those things you feel like you do out of survival and not to hurt people. I feel like that's why more, most people lie. But like, I was just bad about it. It was getting pathological to mm-hmm. where I was deceiving people about who I was from time to time. You used to tell people that please, I was- please, <laughs> please, please. You've said it before on the show. <laughs> Let them dig around and find that. You used to t- 
tell people Carrie. that I was like 10 years older than you and lived in New York and had a pair of twins. Yeah. Like, why would you lie about that? What a weird thing that I thought made me more interesting. This is just so unhinged. This fake phone call. And I really always identified with Jason because I was like, well. Jason's just a great actor. Yep. He's a great storyteller. He sure is. And like this unhinged phone call where he's pretending to be his dad and saying that he choked on a meatball or whatever (laughs) the fuck he said to her. And the thing is, no educated or aware person would buy this and not know. Oh no, of course he's going to get busted for this. And she does know because the way that he, the way she comes back in and she's like, I am so sorry, you take your time finishing that paper. And then they're walking down the hall later and she pulls him in her classroom and she's got both his parents sat down with her. Yup. She's telling them this essay accounts for a third of his grade. What kind of assignment is a third of your grade? Like that's insanity. That's just you being a bitch. I'm sorry. (laughs) I can't go to summer school. There must be something he can do to make this up. I'm teaching English as a second language at the community college until six. If you can get me the paper by then, I'll consider counting it. And don't even think about downloading something from the net, Jason. I want that essay handwritten. A thousand word story in three hours? That should be no problem since making up stories seems to be your God-given talent. The way his dad looks at looks at him and goes, I don't know, making up stories seems to be your God-given talent. Ooh. I have a 5,000-word story in three hours? It's only 1,000. I thought it was five. It's only 1,000 words. Oh, okay. And no, he was complaining about having to handwrite out 1,000 words in three hours. And I'm like, bitch, what is this, kindergarten? <laughs> Come on. And, like, Jason has to sit down. And try and crank this out. And he's thinking. And I love the the many pained shots of him that are overlapping. Him looking in different directions, trying to think of something. And then he just writes out at the top of that paper. What not to do at a stop. No. (laughs) Big fat liar. Kenny Trooper was the world's biggest liar. They say a little lie can grow bigger and bigger. One man pay the price. People everywhere stopped and stared at the big fat liar. Yes. And then he just whips this narrative out. Dude, that's happened to me before where like you can't think of anything and all of a sudden it's like you pop a cork and it all just pours out of you. And then he's right. He has to take his sister's bicycle to get to back to the school by six. No, to get to this place by six where this woman is teaching college. And he he's riding his sister's bike and he's going so fast. Of course, he gets bullied on the way (laughs) and wham right into this big white limo. Uh, Sir, I think we just hit a kid. I'm on the phone. Cut to Paul Giamatti. I'm on the phone. (laughs) The way I guttural laugh. He's just like, what the fuck? Like, I'm I'm trying to talk. Oh, my God. (laughs) This is establishing Marty Wolf, big time producer of Marty Wolf Pictures. We hate him from the jump. Yes, absolutely. And so to avoid a lawsuit... He <laughs> he acquiesces to Jason's request to get a ride. Also, they do not get there in two minutes. I know, but... I know, leave the riders alone. And Marty is your typical 2000s movie producer with... I the... don't know if he's typical. I mean, he's got to be. Oh my God, his, lo- his looks throughout this whole thing. <laughs> I'm like, my 
God. He's got the Bluetooth stapled to his ear and the genuine sense of indifference when it comes to the world. No way Jason goes, yeah, I've heard of you. Your movies suck. (laughs) (laughs) Paul Giamatti is a cartoon in this movie. God, I hate Marty. And Paul does it so well. Yeah, like, I mean, if I hadn't seen John Adams... I might say this is his best role. Oh my God. Please be quiet. (laughs) Uh oh, not mirroring what can happen when you blatantly lie for no reason. Yeah, because. Don't become Marty, Jason. Yeah, Marty himself is also a very practiced liar. And he's telling Jason how he should have lied about the homework situation. (laughs) What'd you go with? Dog at your homework? No, dad choked on a meatball. (laughs) You spent all night with him in the ER? Yeah. Uh, Teacher called the old man to confirm. You imitated his voice on the cell phone. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right, listen and learn, short stack. Here's where you went wrong. Okay? You should have forged the doctor's note, made your dad your sister, and changed the meatball into a chicken wing. It's much easier to swallow if you GMD. When they pull up to the school, and he's like, "Good luck, Jerry. It's Jason, and it always will be." <laughs> <laughs> now get out. <laughs> As he's getting out, Jason dumps his backpack out accidentally on the floor of the limo, and he's scooping stuff up. He's in a big hurry. But guys, he leaves the big fat liar essay on the floor of the limo. And Marty picks it up and is like starting to read it. He's getting ideas. He's like, let's get the fuck out of here. Now it's going to look really bad when Jason doesn't have his paper. Oh yeah, because no one's going to believe him about leaving his essay in a movie producer's limo. Not Jaleel White and a chicken. Yeah, okay, for a second, let's talk about the types of movies that Marty makes, okay? Yeah. Like these gimmicky early 2000s flicks it's just I hate it where they take a concept that has been well established yes like a buddy cop movie uh-huh. and and then you introduce some absurd element into it like I don't know having a chicken as a partner on the beat Jaleel White we're, we're in California for a second and Jaleel White is playing Officer Fowl yeah the movie's called Fowl and Whitaker but, but- the chicken's name is Whitaker and Jaleel White's <laughs> name is Fowl this is this is literally Jaleel White playing a fictionalized version of his actor self. <laughs> and just, I literally wrote, not Urkel, and I wrote Urkel three times. Like, <laughs> Urkel, Urkel, Urkel. Like you're trying to summon him, like Beetlejuice. Why did you call cut? I did not tell you to stop acting, Urkel. Wolf, how many times have I told you not to call me Urkel? My name is Jaleel White, okay? Oh, yeah. Urkel was a character I played when I was a child. <laughs> Okay, Jaleel. Hey, what's the problem, huh? You want another problem? Mm. You want another problem? Yeah. I'm getting nothing from the chicken. That's the problem, okay? He just sits there with his head all slumped over. I have absolutely no idea what my motivation is. Mm. And I love that his main concern today on set is he's not getting anything from the chicken. (laughs) I'm telling you, man, I'm not getting nothing from the chicken. (laughs) He's like, what's my motivation? Your motivation is not working at McDonald's. What the fuck? So obviously Jason gets put into summer school because he did not turn in that paper. This summer school teacher wearing the map t-shirt lecturing (laughs) about the semicolon and it all just sucks for him. I know, it's awful. After summer school one day, he's going to the movies with Kaylee. Kaylee wants adventure, but she is, you know, a little tied down this week because she has to babysit Grandma Pearl (laughs) while her parents are conveniently out of town In the Grand Canyon. Yeah, so we're sneaking out to a movie with Jason. Which, I'm sorry, parents who do that, 
That's wild. Parents who go away to great places and don't take their kids, you're dicks. Especially okay? if you leave them behind to take care of your ailing mother or father. That's negligence. She's 14. That is negligence. So they sit down in the movie theater and the previews start playing. And like Jason's munching his popcorn watching this trailer. Next summer, people everywhere will stop and stare. Marty Wolf Pictures presents Kenny Trooper, the big fat liar. All I'm saying is this trailer came together fast. I was gonna say, do they know nothing? About, I said it's. I wrote also, it's too soon for the trailer. Do they not get how movies work? No, 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 no. Like. <laughs> It literally is like, next summer, I've never known a trailer to come out more than a year in advance. <laughs> it's just, it's so wild, man. You wrote a thing, and now you're seeing a movie be made about it? He stole his idea. Big Fat Liar is already being touted as next summer's must-see movie event. I recently sat down with Marty Wolf, the mastermind behind this sure-to-be That's him. That's the guy from the limo. How'd you come up with this idea? Um, some ideas you struggle and struggle with but the great ones well i mean they they just come to you yeah from my backpack you loser jason jason is ranting and raving to his parents mom and dad i promise you i wrote this he stole my paper this is the guy from the limo yeah and like (laughs) he's on tv in front of them and he's like this is the guy and he's yelling at him and when his dad looks at him when he's like dad you've just got to believe me and when his dad looks at him and goes i just can't Oh, no. I want to believe you, but I just can't. Dad, I'm serious. That guy stole my paper. You have to believe me. I can't. I just don't trust you right now, Jace. Heard that before, too. Yeah, doesn't your elevator just fall (laughs) hearing that? I know. Um... This is where I wrote, Big Sis Janie is hot but unimportant. She's got Rudy, an an appropriating boyfriend with very loud stereo in his car to take her away from the plot so we don't have to deal with her. Yeah, because the parents are going to be on vacation for like a bit, like five days or something. (laughs) And she's vowed to watch over Jason, but no, she's totally cutting out. She will not pay an ounce of attention to Jason all week. So because Jason and Kaylee are going to be basically unsupervised for like the next five days, he literally wants to form a plan to fly out to Los Angeles, confront Marty Wolf, and get him to admit that he stole this idea. When he rushes to her house and she's tutoring Brett. Yeah, the B- Brett, Brett the bully. When when they distract away from him and like they're upstairs and he's packing her suitcase and she's unpacking it as he's packing it. Yeah. I can't just go to Los Angeles. And I can't go through my life having my parents think I'm a liar. But you are a liar. In general, that's true. But this time, I'm telling the truth. I wrote that paper, Kaylee, and I'm not going to rest until Wolf admits he stole it and my parents know it. She's like, I told you I cannot go. And since my parents are conveniently out of town, she's going to notice if I don't show up. All of the money that he then produces from his pocket. From mowing lawns. That he's just saved up. He's already got their tickets. Yeah, I know. He just planned this whole thing without her. But now we've got to find someone to leave with Grandma Pearl. Line number five. This is totally Kaylee, Grandma Pearl. (laughs) In exchange for doing his summer school homework, Brett will be doing a stint at Grandma Pearl's house as Kaylee. (laughs) You know, Brett, who's like 
a half foot taller than Kaylee and has those wide manly shoulders. When they're crouched in the bushes and he's dressed in her clothing. <laughs> and he's like, if anyone from my fucking team sees me, you're dead. Because Grandma Pearl's eyes are not good. She's not going to notice. They literally run up, knock on the door, and leave him there. <laughs> and a garden gnome <laughs> appears at the doorway. <laughs> Little Grandma Pearl. Who's there? I- I've got a gun. It's just Kaylee, Grandma. Kaylee? You just can't be Kaylee. You grow so tall and you're so muscular. <laughs> I'm, I'm benching like 220, 230. <laughs> oh, good for you. Kaylee? You've gotten so tall. Yeah, I'm benching like 200, 300 right now. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's so silly. <laughs> She totally believes it's her, poor thing. I know. And then we are landing in sunny Los Angeles. (laughs) At the airport, we meet Frank. Frank is a chauffeur. We're just gonna, we're gonna con Frank. He is holding a sign that says Stroog. (laughs) S-T-R-O-O-G. Line number six. I'm Mr. Stroog, the biggest distributor of fur coats in the Midwest, (laughs) and I've been selling pelts since I was a baby. (laughs) Just you're kind of young to be the biggest fur coat distributor of the Midwest, you know? It's a family business. I've been selling pelts since I was a baby. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I'm Frank. Frank, you want to get some sightseeing in before we start covering this town in fur? Jason! Uh, Jason, it's... <laughs> It's so wild. I, I I really cannot. And he convinces him, and now we're on a tour of LA. Ah, to be I wrote ah to be a child in a limo on Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> I know. Frank's taking them through the city, the showing dream. them the sights. Yeah, they're the dream. They're literally hanging out of the moonroof yeah. of the limo. It's amazing. And then we arrive at Universal Studios. Poor Mr. Stroog was gonna have a nice time at Universal Studios. Not Mr. O'Connell. Oh yeah, guys, Mr. O'Connell the teacher from Princess Diaries who like got with Helen the mom Mm -hmm. he's in this movie but he's like a no line guard he literally has no lines avoid they're going to be avoiding him the whole movie yeah (laughs) until they don't have to anymore but we are being we're on that little tram that's taking you around the universal backlots and they eventually hop the tram and like all these characters that they're having to walk through yeah those gorilla suits those pink gorilla suits those are from Batman Man. I know. Oh my god. Like, just like, I always wanted, this is where I, you know those times where you put yourself in the movie? Yeah. And like really escape for a little bit? I always wanted to be one of these kids, I you know? know? We eventually arrive at Wolf Pictures. Marty Wolf Pictures. Marty Wolf Pictures, and they walk right in and we meet the receptionist. Astrid. Marty Wolf Pictures, please hold. And like no one's getting helped. Yeah. She's just putting them on hold over and over <laughs> again until the queue's just like empty. And she lets them all stay on hold until they eventually just hang up. <laughs> like her job description should literally just be just say Marty Wolf Pictures, please hold. Like over and over again. And Ross, tell them what lie number seven is. Lie number seven. I'm Marty Wolf's unknown son. <laughs> how he really thinks he's going to get past her with that. It's like the show Psych, right? Like, Jason can tell by the everything about her that Astrid loves dogs. And, like, they know she drives a Saturn because the keys are right there on the desk. Lie number eight. Your car is parked on a dog. (laughs) Oh my god. Poor Kaylee calls Astrid and tells her... As Doris Del Rio down in parking. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that her car is parked on a dog. Poor Astrid just dry heaving. 
Your car is parked on a dog. My car is parked on a dog? Yes, ma'am. In the tail area, to be more specific. It's gruesome, actually. Listen for yourself. Hang on, okay, I'm coming. This makes Astrid break and flee her post, allowing Kaylee to keep a lookout and have some fun while Jason corners Marty in his office, taking Adam Sandler's call. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Oh my God. We are in Marty's office, and this is where we're learning that not only is he awful to regular people, but also his staff, his poor assistant, Monty. Marty and Monty. Marty and Monty. Justice for Monty. Like, she is way too hot for this nonsense. That's all I'm saying. I like the idea of a of a girl named Montgomery or a woman named Montgomery. Oh, really? I don't know why. Yeah, I, I wonder if her name's Montgomery. I wonder. And Jason busts in there and he's ready to play this off like the chronic liar that he is. What is Marty wearing? I swear. <laughs> is this the uh the the reddish jacket? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Jason says, call my parents and tell them you stole my story from me and give me back my paper. Yeah, he doesn't even want money. He just wants Wolf to admit what he did. And you know, Marty Psychopath, it sounds like he's going to be obliging, goes over to a safe and takes the handwritten essay out, all a thousand words of it. He pulls it out. And then what Marty Psychopath then does is proceeds to light a cigar. When he offers him one, he's like, I'm 14. (laughs) He lights a cigar and burns Jason's whole paper away. Like right there in front of his eyes. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And he keeps dabbing it with the lit end of the cigar. Oh, my God. Oh. No. What have I done? Oh, boy. Stand back, son. Let me try and tamp that out with this lit cigar. (laughs) I seem to be making matters worse. Good move, Smokey. Hold on. Help is on the way. Stand back. As he's being escorted out, Jason grabs Marty's PDA. Like, the personal... I can't remember what they're... The handheld! Yeah, yeah. Like, the fact that we have a PDA is a repeating story bit from last week is insane. But everybody had PDAs in those days. It had your contacts, your schedule, your whole life was in there. This 2001-2002 pop culture timeline is just fascinating to me. I don't know why. So now he's got Wolf's entire life in his hands. So as lodging for the night, Jason and Kaylee camp out in a wardrobe and prop warehouse on the Universal lot. Oh. Oh, they found shelter. Oh, they sure did. Oh, this is exactly where I'm putting... This is directly where I'm putting myself in the movie. Oh, this is like a big playground to people like you and me. This warehouse of props and costumes and sets and scenes. And it was always so wild to watch it as a kid and to see all of that stuff at once. It was the coolest thing about this movie to me. Because it's not like it's a bunch of random stuff. There are identifiable things in there. Like the little Who cars from the How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah, and the DeLorean from... From Back to the Future is I in there. Know. And uh there's a statue of E.T. and a Velociraptor from Jurassic Park. This this whole sequence of them having fun to this very early aughts song. The party's just begun. Everybody's having fun. 
find a place just you and me. Like they're playing dress up, yeah. running around, playing with the props. When Kaylee wakes up from a nap <laughs> and Jason, I'm at the beach. <laughs> frantically with the paddle ball frantically paddling a paddle ball because he's had like a six pack of coke the, to himself no the a million empty coke cans <laughs> underneath him and he's like the machine it's rigged they're free they're all free <laughs> he's calling a ride from frank and frank you know the chauffeur from yesterday yeah when that limousine pulls up carrie yeah the cadillacs are so fucking nice i know that's a nice vehicle that's a nice car but it's got a very angry limo driver behind it uh frank is mad that they lied to him about being stroog he's for he's figured it out that when they're trying to make excuses the noise he is making he's trying to imitate a car engine trying to turn over you owe me a hundred dollars for yesterday's uh, ride. Well, maybe you just... almost cost me my job. Frank, I- I'm sorry. I can explain. You hear that? I can I just... Maybe if we could... I don't want to hear it, okay? I know. I just think that... If you But we then find out through Jason's explaining that Frank used to be Wolf's personal driver. And you can imagine, Wolf was a cum stain to him and ruined his acting pursuits for no reason other than he's a void of shit. Yeah, Frank (laughs) wants to be an actor. And like, Marty basically blacklisted him, I feel like. Yeah, got, got got him blacklisted with every casting director in town. And so now Frank is going to join forces with Jason and Kaylee to sabotage Wolf. I love Frank. Oh my goodness, we are moving into our main narrative plan. And of course, we're starting with phase one, the surveillance. Yeah, guys, you always got to case the joint before you go in. We're having a production meeting at Marty Wolf Pictures. This is where we're introduced to Dusty, the director, and Joyce, the senior VP of marketing, and all those good people. And guys, this is Harold from Harold and Kumar. Yeah. He's so cute. I love him. He's describing what he wants for this particular shot. Okay. Harumph! We open 12 different camera angles. Smoke ascending from the streets of the city. Kastay! Birds descending from the heavens like winged messengers from above, beckoning. Whoa, 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 whoa. Confucius say easy does it, Skippy. Oh, okay. So not only are you a pompous windbag, but you're going to be a racist too? What else would you expect from Marty? I, I honestly, and like the thing that becomes apparent during this reconnaissance mission is that Marty literally abuses everyone on his staff. It doesn't matter who you are, he will find a way to ruin your day. So this set's already a living hell, but then they're also $2 million over budget. Uh-huh, And it's not good. Um, Marcus Duncan is the character who used to be a VP, but is now the P. Yeah, the, the president <laughs> he, of the studio. He has been made studio president because Hollywood has gone, you know what, dude, you know what? We've had a lot of flops. Mm-hmm. And uh, why is that? Oh, I think it's Marty Wolf. Yeah, Marty Wolf needs a little more uh, supervision. Monty is trying to get it through his head that he needs to start really sucking up to this new guy if they're going to have any future in the business. And, well, he's not even a new guy. They've been working together, but he's been treating him like shit because he's not the head honcho. Yeah, but now he's kissing some booty. And he's, she's like, you got a breakfast meeting in the morning that you cannot miss with him. And then we switch it over to Jocelyn, who is in charge of publicity for Marty Wolf. And, you know, he's telling her that, you know, we've got to make our opening shooting day a big event. Like, And she's like, I'll make sure it's well covered, but not before he fat shames her. Aww. 
Oh, yeah, doesn't he call her, like, the secretary of Twinkies or something? Yeah, she, she says, I'm the senior vice president in charge of publicity. And he goes, sure, you're not the senior vice president in charge of Twinkies? Oh, I hate him. What I hate him so much. Fucking wastoid. He's a dick to Vince, the stunt guy. Yeah, how dare you be a dick to Lee Majors? Uh, you know, Vince is like, hey, I'm taking a personal day on the set that day. And I'm taking a personal day tomorrow for my grandson's birthday party. And he gives him this little clown flyer with the birthday party invite on it. Yeah. And he rips it up. Oh, man, that's fun. <laughs> See, this is the movie business, Grandpa. The talkies, you know? You can take your personal day in a year or two when you're dead. He's told him he could take his personal day when he was dead. <laughs> I'm only laughing because it's cartoonishly evil. And like, appropriately, we cut immediately <laughs> to Jason. Well, today we've learned we're dealing with the meanest man alive. Quite simply. Lie number nine. Jason's dad calls through the miracle of call forwarding, which was all the craze <laughs> in the early aughts. All the craze. We get to lie number nine. I'm doing good, staying out of trouble, and doing an experiment for science class. <laughs> None of those things are true. Because he's on the phone and he's playing a pinball machine and there's bells and whatever on it. And yeah. he lies to his dad and says that it's a science experiment. Anyway, I just wanted to check in because you looked pretty upset when we left. Yeah. Well, about that, Dad. I just want you to know, I totally get what you said about the whole trust thing. And I think when you get back, you'll see that I've been trying really hard to earn it. Glad to hear it, pal. Good night, Dad. Night. Call for it and gotta love it. Jason! Oh my, you're a, so bad. <laughs> when he hangs up and he's like, call forwarding, gotta love it. And I'm like, what? I know. I can't even imagine this world anymore. This world of 20 years, just 20 years ago. Exactly. Oh my God. We are now at phase two. The, the takedown. takedown. Guys, the one thing the kids were not able to get intel about during surveillance is one Mr. Funnybones, who is Marty's comfort object. He's a stuffed monkey that wears like a yellow t-shirt and suspenders. He looks like one of those scary monkeys that bangs the cymbals together. Yeah. But um, he's like stuffed. Yeah. Marty also does this unhinged thing where he has conversations with it, but he, he is, talks to this thing. He is also the voice of Mr. Funnybones. <laughs> Which guys, talk to your stuffed animals if you want. Just don't be an asshole like Marty. What's showtime, Mr. Funnybones? <laughs> you cute little monkey, you. Look out! Ow! Cut it out, Marty! Hey, that kills, Marty! <laughs> Guys, they break into his house. They fill his swimming pool with blue dye number 30. Uh. They fill his shampoo bottles with orange dye number 50. They, <laughs> I don't know what the numbers mean. I, I don't know if it's in no, any no. way real at all. I don't <laughs> think that any of what is about to happen to him is possible save the hair dyeing. <laughs> But um, real quick before you move on, can I just talk about Amanda Bynes' outfit for the rest of this film? Oh, my God. The iconic pink cardigan with the feather cuffs and mm -hmm. collar. Yeah. That's amazing. A whole ass mood. And yeah, like you said, the first order of business is pouring the blue dye in Marty's pool. Not Duran Duran. Oh, yeah. Marty. <laughs> <sighs> Hungry. <laughs> Marty comes out for his morning swim and- Hungry! <laughs> <laughs> it's the 
Giamatti of it all. Watching him dance around in that teeny little swimsuit. I would feel so bad on set that day. If I was there that day, <laughs> I would feel so cringe. Oh my God. And yeah, guys, he dives into the pool and when he re-emerges, he is blue da-ba-dee-da-ba-die. Emphasis on the die. They, I, just, I, the amount of makeup that this took for this poor man, he literally would not get it all off of him for months. Yeah, it's tattoo ink. How do you just get that off of you then? It's basically like a spray tan. And because it's not being used with a needle, you can get it off. It's just very, very, it's almost like henna in a sense. Oh, yeah. Henna will eventually go away, but it sticks around for a while. They also put super glue on his earpiece to his phone (laughs) so that it will stay in his ear. And the amount of time it takes him to notice is absurd. When he's coming in, how does he not notice sooner? Oh my God, he gets in the shower. I love this psycho tribute. Oh yeah, when he's putting the red hair dye (laughs) in his hair. It's orange. Oh, excuse me, you're right. We're going with clown here. Okay, Okay, all right. And yeah, he gets out of the shower. He wipes the condensation away from the mirror and finally gets a look at himself. This, this sends me. Iconic. <laughs> Iconic moment. Oh, oh my, my god. god. I've literally seen this moment in several streaming ads. Exactly. Yeah, like Oh my god! Yeah. I can't get over it. So Monty gets a call from Kaylee. Line number 10. <laughs> I'm Charisma from Marcus Duncan's office, and I need to move the breakfast meeting. And she gives Monty Duncan's quote new address which is just the meeting site of vince's grandson's birthday party from the clown invitation yeah like it's oh my god he's going to a kid's birthday party and he doesn't know yet I wrote, that's a nice car marty little blue car <laughs> yeah and then he's calling monty he's like you need to cancel this meeting I- i'm blue and she's like oh now we all have bad days and he's like no i'm literally blue <laughs> She says, you can't miss this meeting or no budget. Yeah. Okay, no meeting, no budget. You have to go to this thing. And he's like, fucking fine. He walks up and knocks on the door to this mansion. And the Spanish-speaking maid assumes that he is the birthday clown. Actually assumes that he is the clown. Even though the only thing about him that's clownish is the hair and the skin. He's He's, still wearing a suit. He's giving business clown. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) Business clown. Business clown. He goes into that room. Where the birthday party's being held. This is one of my favorite lines. I know. The birthday boy is definitely one of those kids who's never allowed to have soda ever because it turns him into a weapon of mass destruction. But it's his birthday, so he's had a single Pepsi and he's ready to murder this clown. The door's not been open for 0.3 seconds. He turns to Marty and goes, It's the clown! Let's part up! Excuse me, Cinder. This child needs to be gotten to before he grows up and hurts someone. (laughs) 
Ross. That's all I'm saying. It's not that deep. We're just here to watch Paul Giamatti get hurt. Well, tens of children are beating the shit out of Marty inside. <laughs> the other... I need to tell you how I wrote this to begin with. Okay. I wrote, meanwhile, they are rearranging the guts of this clown. <laughs> Ah, no. And I went, no, and I went back and wrote, meanwhile, they are outside rearranging the guts of his car. Oh, my God. They're like, they're, I don't know what you call it, hot wiring? Well, that's when you're just trying to start it. Yeah, I, this, this, I don't think this is possible, what the end result of this is, but they're literally just, they pulled out his dash, they're fucking, I don't know how you just do that, but. They're crossing wires. Yeah, they're plugging shit into other shit, they're, they're being shits. And so Marty goes to leave the mansion and he gets into his little jaguar and when he turns it on he realizes there's some idiosyncrasies like he goes to stop when he presses on the brake with his foot it honks the horn (laughs) and like he tries to turn on his turn signal but the stereo goes full blast Oh my god. Oh my god. The the wiper fluid is going. The wipers are going. The trunk is opening and closing <laughs> on its own. His roof keeps coming up and going back down. And Jason pulls up alongside in the limo and he he rolls down the window and he's like, "Hi." Hey, Marty. I like your new coloring. It works for you. You did this? Yep, and it can end anytime. All I have to do is make one phone call to my dad. Shouldn't be much of a problem since that headset is super glued to your ear. And then Kaylee holds up the owner's manual to his car. And she's like, bye. And they (laughs) drive away. (laughs) Rotten kids. I need to glaze over this, but I'm, it's fine. He has an altercation where he can't get the car stopped in time before he slightly bumps into the back of this fucking monster truck. It's like a 1988 GMC something or other, I can't remember, but the tires are huge, and so is the dude who's driving it. This California equivalent of a good old boy. Yeah, he's called the Masher. It literally says Masher on the side of this monster truck. The Masher gets out of this truck. (laughs) The way he looks at that back tire and goes... Oh, my God. (laughs) Does he threaten to kill him? I can't remember. He, like, threatens to kill him. He's like, you're going to pay for this. And then he gets back in the monster truck and backs over the little Jaguar with the tires. (laughs) Back off, man. No way. Cut to them. He's in the tow truck, and they're dragging his little car. (laughs) The tow guy. They told me to pick up a little blue car. They didn't say anything about a little blue man. (laughs) We then move into phase three, the twist. What a twist. We are now at the world premiere of Whitaker and Fowl, where the chicken is actually getting more attention than Jaleel White. What the fuck is happening? (laughs) 
We are at the after party for the premiere at Marty's house. All these D-list celebrities making cameos, talking about how bad Whitaker and Fowl was. Oh my god, with the whole Dustin Diamond thing. Yeah, when that woman's talking to him. See, now when you were in Saved by the Bell, that was something. Yeah, this was awful. And literally everyone talking about how bad the movie was. Like, I, I can't even. When You know who is mysteriously missing from this party? Who? Jaleel and the chicken. Yeah, where are they? Anyway. I wouldn't want to show my face at that party. Marcus Duncan says he's pulling the plug on Big Fat Liar because of what an atrocity he just saw at the theater. Yeah, if Whitaker Fowl, if Whitaker and Fowl is that bad, how bad do you think Big Fat Liar is going to be? Yeah, no. And so basically, he tells Duncan that he's got a whole plan, but he needs a second, and he'll come right out and announce it. The truth is, I missed those meetings because I had an incredible breakthrough on BFL which I was working on all day, and I wanted to wait until we were in front of the entire industry to make my presentation. One chance, Wolf. That's all I'm giving you. And that's all I need. Strap on your seatbelt, Dr. Duncan Stein, because you are about to be blown away. He drags Monty into the kitchen. He's like, I don't have a plan. What do I do, Monty? He's lied about he's lied about giving this presentation to like the whole party, promising big things. And like everything else in his stupid life, he expects her to fix it. And the way they just come around the corner. <laughs> yeah, Jason and Kaylee, they're just places. Why do you two keep showing up in my life? <laughs> I can help you. Uh, why do you keep showing up in my life? Sounds like you need to come up with some big idea for Big Fat Liar, right? What? Some 10-year-old kid is going to tell me how to fix my entire movie. First of all, I'm 14. Second of all, I created this story. You think I can at least come up with a few good twists? Uh-huh. No, you mean that this kid really did write Big Fat Liar? Jason offers to help Marty get out of this lie by giving him the talking points for this made-up presentation. Because he, it's his God-given talent. Yeah, it's his storytelling, Making shit up. He's a bullshit artist. <laughs> You're making shit up again, Jason. Yes. <laughs> he is a true bullshit artist. So... He's going to communicate with Wolf through his earpiece, the one that's super glued to his ear. I truly hate Marty. I don't even want to talk about this. Oh I know. my God. But like Marty has been teasing some plot points for the movie and Jason folds the absurdity of how he looks like the blue skin and the orange hair mm -hmm. into this plot point. And Marty's just standing up there pontificating, trying to make this movie sound really good. And like Jason's literally Cyrano de Bergeracking this. Like yeah, we... he is literally speaking through his super glued earpiece mm -hmm. to tell him what to say. But then Marty goes off script. Yeah, I, I literally have, you guessed it, Wolf goes off book. And as soon as Jason starts calling him out, he rips that super glued earpiece out of his ear. When he discovers the ultimate truth that he's in love with panic, the softest shade of pink finds its way across his visage. I didn't tell him to say that. Wolf, what are you doing? You're not listening to me. Just stick to the plan. <laughs> Ugh, I'm sorry. The emotions in this movie are just so painful. <laughs> The, the way he crosses his eyes. Yeah. 
I can't stand it. And like, I don't know how he comes out of this with everyone applauding for him. Oh no! I yeah. really do not. These people are stupid. And you know, Duncan comes right up to him. He's like, "Okay, you got your budget. Shooting starts tomorrow. But if you mess up." once <laughs> you're fucking done okay exactly and so yeah the movie's gonna start shooting tomorrow i can't believe we failed to prevent that from happening jason you need to learn payment first <laughs> because marty then deceives them again and does not actually call his parents he calls security and has them removed from his house he's legally allowed to do that they're not invited like but at the same time <laughs> Rocco. Remember Rocco? This is the wolf. Yeah. This is Rocco. Yeah, I love Rocco. Rocco comes up to them. You're a real piece of work, Shepard. Yeah. <laughs> he knows his name. Who are you? Rocco Malone, head of security for Marty Wolf Pictures. Thanks for all your help, kid. Really. Saving my butt twice in one year. Who would have thunk it? Let's go, kid. Come on, you too, Funky Bruce. You can't do this. We have a witness. Hey, first lesson in Hollywood, sweetheart. Always get it in writing. When they're getting dragged away and Kaylee's like, Monty, you're a fucking witness. You know this is wrong. Uh-huh. And Monty's like, mm, internal conflict. Uh. Yeah, I think that's the moment it all turns over for Monty. Because, like, it's one thing that he abuses adults. He shouldn't. But it's a whole nother level to be this evil to a 14-year-old kid who is just trying to get right with his parents. When they're at the warehouse getting everything packed up and getting all their shit out of the warehouse, she's like, you're Jason Shepard. You can get out of anything. It makes me sick that Marty Wolf is just allowed to exist as he is. We have to do something. (laughs) And instead of coming up with another plan... He just tells his dad the truth. Yeah, he makes the right decision. He's like, no, I'm going to tell my dad the truth. And he calls his dad. Hello? Dad, it's Jason. I haven't... I haven't been totally honest about what I've been up to the last couple of days. And, uh, I think it's time I told you the truth. The truth? <sighs> Monty shows up to the warehouse all of a sudden. He's like, you know what, Rocco? You seem tired. Why don't you go on home? I'll take the kids to the airport. I have Monty for the win! Monty! 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 And Monty basically comes up to Kaylee and Jason is like, listen, this guy's a void of shit. Yeah. He's an absolute fucking piss stain on the mattress of our lives. <laughs> Let's fucking break him apart. Yes, 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 yes. What are you doing here? I've been pushed around by Wolf for too long. Tomorrow, his whole career is on the line. So you guys up for one last fight? Jace? It's payback time. Which then initiates our spirits back into form so that we can carry out phase four, the payback. Oh, God. Now Jason is debriefing this silhouetted group of people who all hate Wolf more than life itself. They all have a common enemy, and it is Marty Wolf. (laughs) All of these people have been wronged by Marty Wolf in one form or another. It's very, and then there were none. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. We're split into three teams. We've got the red team. Their job is to stall the set where Big Fat Liar is beginning shooting today and stalling until the shepherds, his parents, can arrive at the BFL set. Yeah, his parents are on the way to L.A. to pick him up. The blue team is in charge of tactics of distraction and delaying. (laughs) The smoke and mirrors show. Absolutely. And then there's the gold team. 
the mental warfare department. Oh my god. Kaylee's little explanation. I think I think Kaylee's gold team leader. Yeah, I think she you is too. You know what I mean? The way she is standing up in front of these people trying to describe the level of emotional and mental distress she wants this man under. I want to see a broken man. I'm talking broken like, oh, I just threw a baseball through your window broken. Snap him like a twig. Squeeze him like a bug. I want you to turn him into mincemeat. And I don't even know what mincemeat is. I want him to scream for his mommy. Wah, wah, mommy, mommy, mommy. That makes me bust every time. <laughs> wah, wah, mommy, mommy. <laughs> Oh my god! And then Carrie, what time is it? It's showtime! Okay, guys, we're gonna take you through this as quickly and as succinctly as possible. Because it is chaotic, right? It is this whole chaotic breaking down of Wolf and getting him to the set where we can then reveal his life of lies. So Marty, somehow, I don't know how, has managed to unblue himself... Yeah, he said he spent a long time in the shower the night before with a thing of turpentine and a scrub brush. <laughs> no! Uh, oh my god. I bet grief. they had they had to film all the blue shit last anyway. Oh yeah, all those daily touch-ups like throughout the shoot, I bet it was hell. Yeah, the scenes where he is bluer than in others. <laughs> Frank picks him up in the limo, like, and Marty's not questioning it. He's just like, oh, here's another servant. Oh, he's like, didn't you used to work for me? And he's like, yeah. And then rips up his headshot again. Oh, I hate him. Oh, my God. As they're going out on that big windy highway that goes down the side of it, Los Angeles, like, I think it's called Highway 10. Oh, yeah. And the limo quote, breaks down. Yeah, Frank is faking this car accident, this, this car breakdown, you know? He goes to pop the hood. And there's a special effects machine inside the car <laughs> yeah. that's making all the smoke and stuff. They have everything they need at their disposal at Universal Studios. Like well, That machine is huge, too. Where's the actual engine? Yeah. <laughs> there's not a lot of real estate under that hood. And so <laughs> Marty is, of course, upset. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and he's yelling at Frank. And Frank is doing this funny thing where he's pretending to have an emotional breakdown. <laughs> And he wants Marty to hold him. Oh God! Oh my God! Mr. Wolf, please, I would, I would very much appreciate it if you didn't yell at me, okay? Don't, don't touch, dude! Do not touch! Hey! Everything okay here? And then who pulls up? Jaleel at the wheel! Jaleel at the wheel! Oh my god. He literally, he's driving this cute little convertible BMW. Indeed. And he picks Wolf up, takes him away from Frank. Drives him into the Mojave Desert. Because he knows a shortcut. Yeah. (laughs) Where are you taking me? I told you, I know a shortcut. And he's like, when Marty's like, I'm gonna get out. When he's going like 80 miles an hour. Jaleel! driving like a crazy person and he's like i'm getting out and he's like okay i'm getting out it's all your call i'm getting out go <laughs> and then he does marty dive bombs out of the car he should be dead i know he should have had his face ruined on the highway jaleel like looks back and he's like not bad <laughs> and picks up his phone yo jaleel at the wheel Door has Roger that, J-Dub. Wait, what does that mean? It means I'm leaving Wolf in the middle of the desert. Urkel is out! One of my fave moments in the movie, honestly. 
So now Marty is by himself in the middle of the desert, and he calls Monty to, like, fetch him a ride, right? <laughs> the way she is pleased as pie, just snacking, she's, having a little drink. She's having charcuterie uh, yeah, and, and a she, cocktail. She's got her sunglasses on, her hair's looking good. She can't wait to watch this whole thing melt down. She's having a fabulous day. I love that for Monty. <laughs> Knowing that he is being tortured in the desert. So, Monty and the crew send Vince, the stunt coordinator, out in a helicopter that was procured for the shoot. <laughs> and like, yeah, Vince picks Marty up out of the desert, and I love it. They're getting in the helicopter, and Marty could not be less patient. Yeah, no. Let's punch a hole in the sky, Grandpa! Go, go, go! <laughs> Um, we are then going to fake another vehicular malfunction. Oh my good grief. The way they're, oh my God. It's, this is obviously a real helicopter, right? Yeah. Like, where's the, uh, I wonder what the stunt training's like for that. You have to be a pilot? <laughs> yeah. And be tra- be a st- trained stunt coordinator to do that. Like, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if someone told me that Lee Majors could drive a helicopter. I wonder if it's Lee Majors actually doing that. I don't know, man. But like, they get up into the sky and Vince starts to fake a blade malfunction. Yeah. Like the emergency light is lighting up on the dash. Uh-huh. How do they get it to do that? I don't Without know. Without it actually being an emergency. And like, he's like, okay, we're going to have to do an emergency evac. And he starts putting on the parachute. And Wolf's like, you're not serious. Yeah. Because you know what else? What? There's only one parachute. Oh, Christ. So Marty's just going to have to hang on to Vince as he bails out of this helicopter. Ross, the look on Paul Giamatti's face when they are falling out of that helicopter. <laughs> I can't do it justice. Vince, have you done this before? Oh, don't worry, Wolf. I'm a professional. Granddad's been doing this a long, long time. <laughs> Absolutely priceless. <laughs> He's just screaming the whole way down. Oh, sweet God, please, not like this. And then after they bail out, another helicopter pilot who has been hiding under a sheet in the back yeah. jumps out and writes the ship. And reports his part of the mission complete. <laughs> Papa Bear and the Wolf are on the move. <laughs> I love it. All their cute little code names for each other. The shot of Vince and Marty walking up to the set, or up to the <laughs> lot at least. Yeah, the Marty looks actually shell-shocked. That, that is an insane person. That is someone who's been driven crazy today. Like You can see it like ticker tape behind his eyes. Murder. Paul's eyes are so electrifying anyway. <laughs> And did I just use the word electrifying to describe Paul Giamatti's eyes? Why don't you just ask him out and get it over with? I mean... (laughs) I mean, I'd date him if he wanted me to. (laughs) If he'd have you. Oh, man. He did Jadams. I mean, like, yeah. I bet you could talk about that for weeks. Thruple goals. Paul Giamatti, me, and Laura Lenny. Stop. Just saying. (laughs) Oh, my God. Thruple goals, honestly, me, John, and Abigail. But, like, that's never going to happen. Marty is running through the studio lot trying to get to the set. And he's running through a Western set. And guys, I know, we're going to do the Ponderosa High Noon thing again. There's Jason in the middle of everything. And he is about to royally fuck with Marty. Oh, because what is he holding, Ross? 
Mr. Funnybones. We are now going to be ransoming the stuffed monkey. How many times have they been in his house? I don't know, did man. They, like, when did they take Mr. Funnybones? Maybe Monty went and got him that morning. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe. I feel like Monty could get in and out pretty easily. I feel like he can't wake up without his Mr. Funnybones, though. <laughs> Give me back my monkey. Come and get him. his eyes narrow give me back my monkey (laughs) and then the golf cart chase begins this whole sequence guys it's so chaotic it is chaotic kaylee and jason are in one golf cart and then marty is following close behind they're like going through all these sets interrupting these shoots they drive through the middle of a scene of a kung fu movie yeah oh my good grief and then we're like on a snowy street in new york city yeah there's all that fake snow blowing everywhere (laughs) (laughs) like paul spitting it out of his mouth yeah oh my god very scooby-doo it is very scooby-doo and they finally get off the golf carts and marty chases jason through a brownstone set. Yeah. Something or other. It's like a building. All and those apartment looking things or whatever. Yeah. And Jason runs up to the roof where a struggle ensues over Mr. Funnybones. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and like Marty finally takes possession back. And once he gets the monkey back, Jason starts getting Marty to monologue. You know how this happens? Yeah, no, this happened in Max Keeble's big move with Jin Drake on the TV. It like... sure did. So, you admit you stole my story? We've been over this. It's ancient history. Yeah, I stole your story. Whoop-dee-doodle-doo. You happy now? I stole Jason Shepard's paper and turned it into Big Fat Liar! You know who's listening, pal? Hmm? No one. And they never will. So, for the last time, give it up. Because I will never, ever, ever, like never, ever, 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 infinity, tell the truth. Oh my god! And then he crosses his eyes and goes, Yeah, blows him a raspberry. And then, guys, all of the sudden, people with cameras just start popping up like toast. Jason, you can get out of anything he's positioned these people with cameras all around the rooftop to catch the admission i told you wolf the only way to shoot this scene is from 12 different camera angles with birds flying around oh and uh oh by the by uh confucius say uh castang you're busted and then like he just goes over to the side of the roof and looks over The whole crew and company of Big Fat Liar is here. It's just like you wanted, folks. The press is all here. The press is all here. And then she very happily takes a bite out of a Twinkie. You enjoy that Twinkie, Jocelyn. Oh my god. You earned it. You did. And Jason's parents are there too. And, like, Duncan is standing there with his hands on his hips going, You stole this mess from a child? Yeah! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> it's all so good. I know. Oh, payback's a bitch, isn't it, Marty? <laughs> isn't it? You get what you put out into the world, that's all I know. Oh, my God! And Wolf turns back around to face Jason. Wolf, I want to say thanks. You taught me a valuable lesson. 
truth. It's not overrated. And that's when Marty becomes unhinged. Yeah. He comes unglued. <laughs> I am gonna get you, Shepard! Jason runs off the edge of the roof, and we all gasp because- We're talking limbs flailing in midair. Yeah, we have no way of knowing that there's a stunt pad on the ground. Did Frankie Muniz actually do this? God, I hope he got to. Yeah. Even as he's going down, like, flailing his arms and legs, I just wrote in all capital letters, oh, I bet that was fun. Yeah, it looks real. It doesn't look like it's animated or edited, so... And, like, I love it. He just jumps onto one of those giant blow-up stunt pads. Yeah. And, like, it's a party. He did it. Yeah. He unmasked the wolf. His parents are like, hey, what the... Like, like, you were telling the truth the whole time. <laughs> oh my god. Who'd have thunk it? And then my favorite thing. my f- <laughs> I think about this sometimes when I'm trying to go to sleep. Because everybody's walking away. Everybody's walking away, leaving Marty on the rooftop. Oh, and he gets his last final little say. Yeah, he goes, Hey, where do you think you're going? You cannot turn your backs on me! I'm Marty Wolf! Alright, fine! Fine! You're all fired! You suck, Marty! You're all fired! You suck, Marty! <laughs> he does. I just love it. He does suck. You suck, Marty! <laughs> it's the best. Don't we go into Big Fat Liar? Yeah, from We're going there. into the movie within the movie. We cut to like a year and a half later, and we're at the premiere of Big Fat Liar. Frank got to be in Big Fat Liar. Yeah, he's the main character in Big Fat Liar. So he's going to get to be a star now. Yeah. I love that for Frank. And Monty produced and wrote the script. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. Oh, my God. Justice for Monty. And then, based on... Based on the short story by Jason Shepard. Yeah. He's like a 15-year-old kid. I know, I know. And he has screen credits. He he has screen credits now. That's amazing. Wow. Oh, my God. And Ross. Uh, Would you like me to... (laughs) Would you like me to tell them about the, uh, it's not post-credits, but we're getting there. <laughs> Ross, tell us about Marty's fate. We go to another manse, another L.A. manse. The doorbell rings, we open it up, and it is Marty Wolf, clown extraordinaire. <laughs> this is all he. This is all the work that he can get right now, guys. He's a birthday clown, which, if you're a birthday clown, that's great. I love that for you, but I love that Marty hates his life. I really hope that Marty has realized his true calling which is letting kids beat the shit out of him. <laughs> and then, surprise, surprise, the masher, you know, who mashed his car up. The guy in the big monster truck. He's one of the birthday dads. It's the son of masher's birthday party. It's son of masher, yes. Yeah, they're dressed the exact same in, like, those singlet unitard things. Yeah, yeah. Like, the massively ugly prince. And when the when Big Masher comes in and sees Marty standing there. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yo, little mash, show me your nutcracker. Ah! <laughs> 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 I can shake it like that. Can you move it like this? I can 
got one question for you. What's that? Can you move it like this? I can shake it like that. But can you move it like this? I can shake it like <laughs> that. The grip this particular song had on this time period, like it was in like every movie. It does not every get commercial. It does not get more aughts than Baja Men. Right? <laughs> like, come on, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I love the hell out of that song. You guys, you know, I'm kind of sad that's over. <laughs> you know, it was a lot of fun. I was having fun writing my notes. <laughs> I was like, I can't wait to get here. I was also having a lot of fun with my notes. <laughs> like, every time Paul Giamatti did one of those cartoonish facial expressions, I just, I wanted to rewind it over and over again. He gives the most amazing face. I know. He's, I thought, he's the crown jewel of this movie, even though he's the worst. I know. You know what I mean? You love to watch him get abused. I mean, a little bit, yeah. Like, a little bit of his own medicine, and then some. You know what? It's a very funny movie. It's a very fun movie. It's a movie with... A good lesson. Yeah. And I, I, lo I love that we've just been able to roll this all into one big weird movie, you know? <laughs> we've always had it. We'll always have it. Oh, I can't wait to show it to the next generation. Oh, I can't even. They'll probably think we're crazy. Oh, of course. For finding this entertaining. Oh, of course. Think about all the goofy shit our parents loved. You know, working with working with the kids at the restaurant, it's kind of fun because I'm the adult now. Uh-huh. And it's kind of weird to see how kids are either getting dumber or just way more wild. By kids, you mean like teenagers. Teenagers, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> everyone ages 14 to 18 right now, they're all tiny adults. Yeah. But really stupid adults. You know what I mean? It's because they've had access to the internet their whole lives. They know way too much, but yet still manage to act like fools. <laughs> Tide Pods! <laughs> Tide Pods, everybody! Lawrence Police Department tweeting, I can't believe we have to tweet this shit, but don't eat Tide Pods. Uh. So yeah, guys, no big outro this week. I'm, we hope you enjoyed the episode we did. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> You're going to have fun editing it, too. Oh, yeah, we've been howling. <laughs> my voice hurts. Oh, my, oh my God. God. Alright guys, you know, if you guys thought today was unhinged, you're not even ready for next week's selection. Carrie, tell the people, tell them what we are doing. We're already screaming. I'm already screaming. I'm so sorry. Guys. I know. There's no way they're still listening. They've yanked their earbuds out and they're like, no. I can't believe how much I'm laughing right now. Okay, so guys, next I really can't believe it. Because you forget about this movie, and then you become an adult, and somehow it pops back into your head. Guys, next week, we will be covering the 2002 mess of a film called Master of Disguise. Not Dana Carvey. I love that Dana Carvey was a staple of our parents' generation. Oh, yeah. But then also of ours. Like Too funny to fail? Oh, my God. Hey, Wayne's World. Yeah. He's the other half of Wayne's World. So, so guys, be on the lookout for that. In the meantime. <laughs> what can they do in the meantime? In the meantime. 
meantime, they can go follow us on Twitter at KickInStream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join our little summer watch party. Guys, I can't understate it enough. You've got to go over to the Patreon and check out our John Adams content. Absolutely. Because it's just a great juxtaposition from today's coverage. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Gemmy. <laughs> Gemmy Num Nums. And as always, <laughs> and sorry, Mom. Mom. You want to go watch Master of Disguise? Oh, my God. Let's go. We can't. <laughs>